Welcome to another episode of the No Clue Podcast. This is episode 148. I'm one of your hosts. I'm Tyler. I'm Mike. And we're back. Conference finals. Coaching Underway. hires. Yes. Trades. Uh, you, where you want to get into first? The conference Weird. finals? I mean, yeah, we could talk about conference finals first. Oh no! Well, we can get the coaches out of the way. It's interesting because, like, I'm trying to look back. I don't remember during a playoff run this this much like NBA turnover. Yeah, I, I think that because of the shortened season, right? Um, and this is way further past normal seasons too. You know? Yeah. Usually the finals were in like April. That's true. Yeah, yeah it's it's just weird because the off season is going to be like quiet. <laughs> more quiet, significantly more quiet. But yeah, yeah. Well, let's let's get get through the coaching and the trade first, then, and finish out with the games. Which team do you want to start with? Uh, let's start with the Celtics because I don't have that much to say. Udoka yeah. is a um, is a Popovich, you know, product. Uh, I don't know how many years he was on the Spurs. Um, bench, but it has been a while now. Um, uh, he was kind of an outside shot, I think. You know, it's last year. Last year, I kind of hyped up some of the the good culture guys coming in. Yeah, and it didn't work out. Like Indiana didn't work out at all. Right. The Rockets didn't work out, not necessarily because of the coach. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, he didn't do anything to make it better. Right. So, in theory, I like the hire. Because mm-hmm. the the culture that's coming in, the system that he's been kind of involved in. Yeah. That's that's kind of how I imagined the perfect way that the Celtics could play. Mm-hmm. But again, it doesn't translate well every time. Right. He was uh, a spur for one year, and then he went right to, as a player, then he went right to coaching for seven years um, on the Spurs bench. He did one year with Brett Brown in Philly, and one year now with Brooklyn. So, and now he's... He put the time in. So, like, again, I can't really, there's nothing really to criticize here, because in theory, it's a good hire. Yep, he played, and he also played six years in the league. So, you know, yeah. he has some playing experience. He played all over the world, it looks like. Yeah, he was, so. I, I remember like him just popping up on a lot of different rosters. Him kind yeah. of just being in, in discussions a lot of time in the off season and stuff like that. Yep, yep, yep. The key is they made a move as well, though. Yes. Kimba Walker was traded uh, for Al Horford, basically. I gotta say, I love it. You know, staying on the Celtics. Well, you love what Al Horford being the, on the Celtics? The, the whole move. Okay. okay. Kemba clearly, and we could get into Kemba a little more after Boston, but he like he was kind of the odd man out mm-hmm. as far as. You know, guys who can maximize their game because Brown can do it, Tatum can do it, even Smart gets to do it. 
Yeah. We and we talk about this a lot. His game comes down to whether he's making shots or not. Right. So and, he doesn't really affect anything else on the floor. Yeah, and him being injury prone the way he has been since getting there. Yep. And again, you you kind of trying to fit everybody together. Clearly, your play style's kind of not worked lately. Right. So, so I completely understand the move, especially considering who you're getting, a guy who's built for everybody to touch the ball. Mm-hmm. So what do you what do you think? Uh, I I'm cool with it, but um, it's what they're getting back that bothers me more than them trading Kimba. Trading Kimba, I completely understand. Like you said, the injuries. Um, the play style, it just, it wasn't that great of a fit, at least how it was currently being coached, at least. I think I would maybe would have liked to see what a different coach would have done with Kimba as far as the play style goes. Yeah. But um, how it was going at this point, it wasn't working. The team was kind of moving towards a defensive-minded uh, lineup at times, and Kimba doesn't fit into that. Um. Yeah, and they have a lot of scoring options, and that's Kemba's best quality. I, I think just, he's a really good leader. But Watching him lately in Boston the last couple of years, it's yeah. like he doesn't get to really like maximize his game. I agree, yeah. I, I feel like you could play through him more, and it's okay for him to shoot poorly. You could still play through him. Yeah. But for some reason, they just never really did. Right, yeah. And he did two years there now? I mean, this was his second year? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. And, and that's pretty quick quick to move on. But, you know, he's aging. The team is not. The team's kind of in a place where they can win. Yeah, so. I saw the report of them being concerned with his knee. His left knee, I believe. Yeah. And because it's been, again, it's been a problem since he got there. Mm-hmm. So, so I understand the skepticism kind of that goes along with that. Yeah, I do too. Yep. I do like Moses Brown though that they got in this trade. But Al Horford you know, I don't know if they keep Al Horford at this point. Uh I'm not sure. You know, I I didn't see OKC enough to know what Al Horford still brings on the court if anything. He, he doesn't bring anything to OKC, I could tell you that. <laughs> right. Cuz uh, midway through the year he was out the rotation. Right, and um, he is the he's the last from that Florida team still in the league. Uh, so he has to be just about on his way out too. Uh, yeah, I, I, I like it this time. Last last time he was there, I I hated it. Okay, but this time he's coming into a team that's like ascended as far as kind of how how good the offense could be how good they could be yeah but we talked about it all year a struggling front court yep robert williams i don't know if he's he could give me 82 games probably not mhm you looking at tristan thompson is you know i would look to move him yeah the only time I liked his presence was when he was on the bench more. <laughs> mm-hmm. Got rid of Tice. Bad idea, but okay. I I get it. Fournier yeah. should be a good pickup moving forward. 
Yeah. But you you got to have guys who could come in and like just at least belong on the court. Right. And I think at worst Horford could do that. Okay. I'm not mad at that at all. Who now who um uh, why do I feel like they're still they were still missing somebody? When Smart comes off the bench, who starts for them? It was Kimba, Tatum, Brown. Fournier started also. No, before Fournier. Oh, uh Kimba, Tatum, Brown, Tice, and who's and, who? and Thompson for a lot of time. Tice and Thompson? Yes. Oh yeah, yeah. They they can't do the too big on that roster anymore. <laughs> no, they cannot. That, that Brown Brown is built like we talk about small ball kind of not looking great with teams like Utah and, and the Clippers. Sometimes it doesn't look right. Yeah, Brown is built for it. The thing is, what's nice is Tatum and Brown are both so inside out. Like you know, I think Tatum if you. Tatum needs to be on the block sometimes and post up because that's where he exploits his best mismatches. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I don't know if he, if they move towards that at all, but. I just think defensively, defensively, it could be such a killer lineup to have Brown at the four. Yeah, of course. So I, a lot of things they could do there. I, I do think that they will have a really hard time finding the right point guard for this team. Yes. It's not smart. Uh, but I think that that will be a difficulty even in, in the rest of this offseason. I, I think Conley would be a nice one for them because he doesn't need the ball for anything. He just kind of, you know, he comes in, passes, and he kind of gets out the way a lot of times. Like someone like him. But I just, I wonder, I wonder what they do because I think there's a number of backups they could get where mm-hmm. they could survive with Smart as the point guard. Give me an example of who. I think DJ Augustine could fit. Okay. And, and I'm mm-hmm. thinking about it. I just you're you're right on Smart because they're going to look they're going to look like the best team in the East one week and then another week they're going to look like a disaster. <laughs> right. And, and the thing is uh, I think that and this is my opinion, and I've talked about this all year. One of their biggest problems was guys have to get, they have to play one on one the whole game, everybody. And Smart doesn't fix that at all. No, he doesn't. Uh, I, I think they need someone who can create a shot, open shot for someone else on the floor. And uh, that's not really Smart's game. Yeah. And they, I mean, Kimba, it's not really Kimba's game either. But, you know, he was good at it at times, right? He can do it in spurts, and the team looks flawless at times. But I I don't see Smart doing that at all. Uh, I just think, you know, a lot of people are talking about where Lowry could go. I think Boston would be a perfect fit for him. It would be. I mean, he's, yeah. he's a perfect fit almost everywhere that doesn't have a point guard. Yeah. Which, if you think about it, there's a lot of places. Yeah, uh, but Boston, he he would fix kind of that th- that scoring punch that they're lacking with Kemba gone. Yeah, I think Lowry and Smart together could just be just wild. Best defensive backcourt in the league. Oh yeah, 
and, and you know, I, I said that to you as soon as this trade happened. I think Kimba has really a real good shot at going to LA to the Lakers, and I think Lowry will be who Boston pursues. Uh, but I'm not sure if you know if that's what Lowry wants or if they can afford him. If Lowry wants another ring and is willing to take a pay cut, then yeah, Boston's the spot for sure. Not far from Philly. He's from Philly, so. Yeah. yeah, but the Philly fit, considering how he's from there, just seems like a done deal. Yeah, but they got to give a lot. I mean, obviously it would be Lowry for Ben Simmons, right? That's I mean, weird. Uh, yeah, right, right. At but to point. me, to me, Philly has flexibility because I think they can move a lot of pieces and still kind of keep how they play. But the their pieces won't add up to anything for a lot of teams you know if if yeah. you give me give me um shake milton and mike scott and dwight i i don't have anything still <laughs> not that i don't know not good, nothing <laughs> not that they're not good players but i'm not taking that for lowry and a couple of picks it's not worth it you know i mean the raptors might i'm not i wouldn't I, need, I see that. I can see the Raptors taking something like that. I, I, if I'm losing my generational player, I need a generational player back. Like I need someone who's going to be my next generation, and that would definitely be Ben. Ben is yeah. gone though. We, yeah, <laughs> I think yeah, we, yeah. we talked about that enough last episode. I, there's no way Ben finishes next season as a 76er. I don't. Believe That's. I would be shocked if he even like has to play up until the trade deadline or anything like that. Yeah, I would be shocked if he touches the court in a Sixers uniform ever again. Right. <laughs> again, I I made my thoughts clear. I don't even want to think about it right now because you know I want to wait till we have a better idea of maybe where he really could go. Yeah. Uh, but clearly, it's going to be somewhere else. So the, the problem is now with the Celtics, we have no idea what Yudoka brings to the team. He didn't play good as a player or enough for us to say, yeah, he has this kind of mindset as a athlete, so he's going to bring this to the Celtics. So we don't know what's going to happen there. Um, that's one we will definitely just have to see. Yeah, so. one thing one thing I could I will kind of give him is he's coming into a situation that's not broken. Mm-hmm. He's coming into a team that's close, and you know, having been around San Antonio, you know, like sometimes it's small things that could make a team go off. Yeah, yeah. and Boston is in that position, and I think he has a good chance to figure that out. Yep, and another thing is it's a lot less pressure than some of the other teams we'll talk about because they are really young, young to the point where they can botch a year. Like, if next year they, they suck, like, eighth seed again or, you know, playing game, Yeah, that's cool because they're coming back the next year for sure. At least your nucleus is, and you have another shot to build with this team. Yeah. Um, and then... You know, you got young minds. They haven't played for a coach that long. What three years with Brad Stevens? Um, yeah. For Tatum, four for Brown. You know. It's and not Stevens, too long. like Stevens, has established a good culture, and he didn't go anywhere. So the the culture stays intact. Yeah. 
So again, that's another thing he doesn't. The new coach doesn't have to worry about as right. much. He, he can just tweak from you know a coach that just you know couldn't do, couldn't get it all the way done. So it's not too bad. Right. All right, moving on. Uh, let's go Pacers. Rick Carlisle to the Pacers. He's coached there before. Yeah, way before my time. Right. Uh, I mean, this is. It's an odd one. It's the it's obviously a great call though. Yeah, he obviously wanted to get back to Indiana. You know, I mean, I all these open jobs, he picked that one out of the and like super quick too. Right. A week yeah. later, he's got Indiana locked up. Yep. I so. I think a coach like him, I think he welcomes the Indiana situation. Mm-hmm. Because this team has, like, this team has shown that they they're capable. Yeah. You know, this was a slightly different team that was a top four or five seed in the East. Mm-hmm. And, and they haven't changed much. I think they've gotten better roster wise. Yeah. They have. So it all comes down. I think if anybody of all the coaches I could think of that are looking for jobs, mm-hmm. I can't think of many better than Carlisle at putting teams together. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think uh, this team has a lot of these like borderline vet guys on the team, and that's when I've seen Carlisle do his most Best. magic. Yes. Yeah, when For he sure. has these guys who are experienced players who have good IQ. Um, you know, he got T.J. Warren, Sabonis. Obviously, is has pedigree. He got T.J. McConnell. Uh, these guys who have just top-notch IQ, basketball IQ. Uh, that's uh, McDermott has pedigree. His you know dad's been coaching forever. Uh, I'm trying to think who else is on there. Miles Turner has pretty good IQ as a, for the most part, for someone like his style. He he has a lot of smart players to work with. I th- I think he's going to do a good job there. I don't I know. Completely disagree on Miles Turner, but yeah, go ahead. <laughs> I don't know what their ceiling is, though. Like, but that's I, that's what I like about it. Okay. It's because I think the ceiling is really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just it's about kind of like he needs to be able to help some of these players settle into roles. I yeah. think over this past season, like the the their play style just got out of control. It did. It's almost like, you know, looking back on them to end the year, it's like they, they had a team full of guys playing for stats. I agree, yeah. You, Including you Miles, it, for sure. Yeah, nobody's defending, but everybody is getting, like, what they're known to do. Mm-hmm. You look at it, uh, shooters were chucking all year. Yeah. Uh, Miles Turner was getting blocks all year. Mm-hmm. Brogdon's stats look great all year. Yep. Sabonis stats look great all year. Yeah. And then routinely we're watching them get destroyed. <laughs> and watching teams put up 130 points on them a night. Right. I mean, right. they gave up 140, 150 uh, several times. Yeah. So I, I think Carlisle comes in. He's a voice that the guys have to respect. Mm-hmm. And Carlisle can also make difficult decisions like, you know, who needs to take less shots? Who needs to adjust the kinds of shots they take. Right. Who who do we need to encourage with the IQ? 
who do we need to you know reel in and, and maybe get under control a little bit? Yeah, I think Carlisle's a perfect fit for all that. I agree. I agree. So that that'll be fun to watch, man. Yeah. All right, let's go. Uh, his old team, the Mavericks. They just hired Jason Kidd. Uh, do you like that hire? Before we get into Jason Kidd, this was a this whole situ Mavericks like situation. Yeah, was completely out of left field. Yep, I, I was yeah. shocked. I don't know if it's even like an overreaction to them blowing the first round. Mm-hmm. Which which didn't really surprise me. Me either. Even like, and I was hyped about them early in the in the series, but. Watching game six and seven, the way they lost, I'm like, you know, this is how I expect this team to lose. Yeah. And then yeah. all of a sudden, there's all these rumors, like, you know, a few days, a week later, all these rumors about the, the one guy that got fired, the stat guy, the analytics guy. Yep. Uh, all of a sudden, Luca's not happy, the, the general manager's gone. Don Nelson Jr. Yeah. And then yeah. Carlisle just is out of there. Yeah. And it's just like a weird situation because clearly Carlisle didn't just not want to coach. Right. He wanted to coach somewhere else. Right. So to me, like, I wonder if there's something wrong with Dallas more than we know. Um, you know, we can speculate, and I'll, I'll speculate. I think... And this is not this is not hate, but I think Luca is a very spoiled player for Dallas. I think he he kind of at least in the last two years have got has gotten to the point where it's like um, he just does whatever whatever he wants in the offense. I mean, we talked about this too in their offense. It looks like it's just Luca does this. Like, there's no set to like no options on their yeah. plays or anything it's just Luca he's here oh if so, if he wants to shoot he just shoots it if he feels like driving and kicking he does that may, he may not it just looked like it was Luca playing out there by himself like he's the best guy on the pickup court yeah so um and you know Carlisle has had issues with you know specifically guards his whole career He's been fighting with point guards every year. Monte, Rondo, I mean, him and Kidd never got into it, but, um, you know, Devin Harris had, had some issues. He was, got traded, came back, got traded, came back. Um, obviously, him and J.J. Barea are cool, too, I guess. But, uh, you know, he, he has this thing where he's combative if you don't like what he's calling. You know, we, we've seen... What did Rondo do that time? Didn't Rondo just like walk off the court one time? Yeah, he just basically quit. Right, and I've Rondo. I've never seen Rondo fight with another coach. Usually, coaches trust Rondo's judgment and not force him to trust their judgment. You right. know, so um, I could see if that happened to this golden boy Luca. I could see it being a big deal in the office. You know, Rondo yeah. is pretty expendable. Monte is expendable, but not Luca. I just I, the problem is like we just saw this kind of play out in Denver. Like this is kind of a, a 
similar situation to how Jokic started in Denver. Because mm-hmm. he got great, but they didn't really know how to win because Jokic is best point guard in the league for 10 minutes, best big man in the league for a couple minutes, and then there's 10 minutes, we don't know what the hell is going on. <laughs> right. All, all the while, the other team is getting layups and dunks because he, he doesn't have the energy to protect the rim. Right, he's the best ball distributor in the league for five minutes, and then no one touches the ball. <laughs> yeah, exactly. For five plays. Yeah, exactly. But it, and he still has some of that now. He does. But Denver has like there's been a great balance of of him improving in certain ways, and Denver kind of making it work around some of those things. Mm-hmm. Dallas is at a very critical point. Where it's either like we we have to figure out how to make coexist together, or do we just ride Luca's greatness as far as we can? Well, then the, that difference comes between Jokic and Luca. So does Luca have the same unselfishness that Jokic can, you know, show? Because Jokic has changed a little bit in how he looks for guys. Because I mean, we've talked. Throughout the course of us talking about Denver, we've noticed how he trusts a lot of his players a lot more than he ever did. Yeah, you saw at this playoff run, he he allowed like some of the lesser role players to thrive, especially when they got going. Yeah, like yep. that's not he, something he could do two years ago. It's not something he could do last playoffs. I mean, he couldn't give Michael Porter Jr. the ball after Porter Jr. has like twenty eight in <laughs> yeah, three quarters. That's true. He wouldn't give him the ball. And now you see he trusts them a lot more. He trusts the new guys that they get. He trusts. He even trusts Composo. Guys yeah, like Riv- that. Rivers came in. Uh, Gordon came in and were trusted immediately. Right. So we've seen his, you know, maturation within the team, and I haven't seen any of Luca's maturation so far. I, I'm I mean, with it's you. A lot less of a time. So it, it becomes on the on the player, and if. It's player or coach, and all it, I'm sure with Carlisle, all it took was the front office to say, oh, well, if that's what Luca wants, you got to go figure that out. I can see him just saying, oh, well, you guys can figure it out with a different see coach. And, and, and that's kind of why Indiana, you know, I don't know his personal, you know, like, like you said, he coached there before, so it could have just been he wanted to coach there again. Right. I'm not sure if he's from there or if his family's there, but... Sit like basketball situation wise, it looks like he wanted to go to a situation where he controls how the team operates. Right. And and I, I completely with you that Luca. We don't know if he's gonna mature. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna assume that he's not because we really don't know yet. Yeah. But my key is whether Luca matures or not. Like, does Dallas handle these ne- this next year or two correctly? Right. And first decision was made with the new coaching hire. What did you think? Uh I, I like it and I don't like it. I like it and I like it more than I dislike it. I'll say that. Um I think Jason Kidd is a really good motivator. Uh he's obviously one of the best point guards ever, one of the best leaders. You know, floor generals ever. Um, but I don't think Jason Kidd has had uh, 
I think I think I would have liked him to have more experience before this job, before this head coaching job. More head coaching experience at least. Yeah. Uh, I mean cuz he what he did like two one year stints. Yeah, one year in Brooklyn then he dipped. And then two and a half years in in Milwaukee. So it, it's it's tough there as far as, you know, him coming to the Mavericks with that. But I do think he's, uh, you know, if we were to measure basketball IQ in NBA history, I mean, he'd be top five in my in my mind. Yeah, I got as far as like his player credentials, he's top tier. But that doesn't obviously that doesn't mean you can teach it. It doesn't mean you can coach it. Uh, we've seen Isaiah Thomas be a terrible coach, absolutely garbage. And, I mean, Isaiah Thomas is top five point guards in everybody on the planet's list. Yep. So, so uh, I mean, obviously, they're not the same guy. I'm not saying that they're the same, but I'm just saying, so for people who don't know Jason Kidd as a coach, don't think because he's a good player he's going to automatically be a good coach. But I mean, who's, like, the best player that coaches now? Yeah. And That's why, Nate man, McMillan? <laughs> yeah, he's, he's doing great, but... Yeah. I just, I, my, I, I'm, I'm pretty negative about it, and I don't uh-huh. really want to be because I do see some of the things you're saying. He is a good motivator. Uh-huh. Obviously, the, the playing experience is there, but I'm going based off what I've seen from him. Uh-huh. And that Milwaukee two and a half years, Budenholzer comes in and he tweaks every issue that kid had. Yeah. Now they still have you know problems that they're just now figuring out, mm-hmm. and we still don't know if they figured it out. But I, I yeah. just so, like the the expectations that the kind of the narrative around kid as a coach, he never he hasn't really lived up to that. Mm-hmm. He comes in, he doesn't. He, I haven't seen him find a guy to like make a key IQ guy. Right for a guy like you said, one of the greatest point guards of all time, I haven't seen that knowledge transfer as a coach. Right, because guys who were low IQ players under him never really improved. Right, so I'm not really sure. Like, does he have the desired effect here? Because mm. clearly, you brought him in to maximize what Luka Doncic could do. Yeah, assuming so, yeah. Right, but, but like, everything else about Kid is a question mark because he, like you said, is limited experience. Right. All all I can think of which would kind of lean towards hiring him is can he get more out of Luka than we already got? Right, and that relies on a lot of different factors, right, obviously. And it's just like, uh, like honestly, if that was the, the route they went, D'Antoni was the, the obvious candidate, in my opinion. I agree. I mean, this team, Carlisle made this team like a junior version of D'Antoni. Yep. Honestly, he comes in, defense slips a little more. It's already pretty bad, so maybe that's a risky play. Mm-hmm. But, like, I don't really see Kid making the defense better. Yeah. I, I wouldn't know. You know, that's the 
Right. That's, that's the problem. We don't know. I just, I don't know, man. Kid, like, the response I expect teams to have to such a top-tier point guard, mm-hmm. I haven't seen yet. So that's why I'm skeptical. Right, exactly. But I, Milwaukee, I, I, I hate that Milwaukee's the only, like, I don't want to hold his first year against him because, like, anything could happen first year. It was a weird team to come into, hella injuries. And they had all just been thrown together out of nowhere. Yeah. So yeah. complete like mix like a mess. Yeah. But Milwaukee like was just a steady what they were is kind of what they were. Mm-hmm. They they were getting better because of the talent they were starting to get. Yeah. But I didn't really see like the the team success that I, I want to see of a out of a good coach team. The thing with Milwaukee for me, I, I enjoy what he did with Milwaukee because I think that they're uh, they became a lot more exciting to watch under him and I'm not saying that that translates to wins obviously it doesn't but they found a way to they got a lot more like fast breaks they got a lot more dunks they did a lot more lobs they got a lot more steals uh, but that's really it. And there's some teams that I think that's all they need. Like, I think the Jazz, that's all the Jazz need to me to be better. Because the Jazz get, like, no fast breaks. When's the last time you've seen Donovan Mitchell dunk on a wide-open fast break? Regular season. And not much. No. So, there's teams that I think that need that. And the Mavericks are not one of those teams. And I'm not sure if that's all that kid brings to the table. That's all I saw him do. Like you said, we have a small sample size. That's all I saw him do in Milwaukee. Yes, um, and 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 that's my that's the, what makes it weird is that every year he seems to be like like a premier candidate. Yeah, I mean he was a premier candidate for the Lakers when they became you know a potential dynasty. And, but and the thing is, I I think he is a good candidate for a team that has older guys, right? Guys who have watched him play, who can automatically respect his his IQ, guys who may have even played against him, right? Like LeBron played against him at some point. Right. Um in the in the Dallas and Heat series. Uh yeah, LeBron's worst nightmare. Right. So, I mean, th- that those kind of teams, I could see kid being like a good candidate for those because they say, oh yeah, we you know we definitely know Jason. Uh, they they probably are cool with him already. I think he probably has seen them on like a different scale, like as a player or as a uh, like watching them like the Lakers. Yeah. But as as far as Dallas, uh, you know, it, it's just a weird spot because they're really. It is. It, it's yeah. unpredictable. They're really in a developmental time. Yeah, Dallas is. They're really like a, you know, a bunch of D League guys that have like a star. Yeah. You know, young two young stars. And and that's a tough situation for an inexperienced coach to come in. Absolutely. Uh, one, I guess, kind of last point we can make. Uh, I, I do like that Cuban hires coaches. And he doesn't usually do the like the one year or you know 
not a long time. Like he gives coaches a, a solid chance to see, show what they could do. Yeah. And if if he's giving kid that chance, I like I like this team for that. I agree. Because this kid, like this, this is a good team for him to really max out and and show what he could do. Right. Uh so in in that way, I'm excited for it. Mm-hmm. But I'm skeptical just from the prior things that I've seen. Right, I gotcha. I I completely agree. I'm on the same page. Definitely on the same page. Uh, all right. Last one. Uh, Chauncey Billups to the Blazers. <laughs> oh man. I don't know what the Blazers uh, front office is doing. You had Dan Tony, you had Becky Hammond, and you had Chauncey Billups. Chauncey Billups has been doing play by play for the last like six years. Then uh, he, this past year he was an assistant. Yeah, just just this year. Just this year. Yeah. And and <laughs> I guess the playoff run makes him look pretty good. I'm not gonna lie. The playoff run that he played in? They're currently going through right now. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah. Because I see the... Like, guys that I've had no respect for are in the playoffs now, and they're playing, like, a specific way. Mm-hmm. The fact that it took... like You know, it seems like it took Chauncey Billups to make that happen, and Ty Lue couldn't do that. Because Ty Lue was Ty there was... last... I mean, he was there last year, though. This is, but this is the first time he can make decisions. But Chauncey Billups is an assistant, so if I'm giving him credit now, I gotta look at what Ty Lue was doing last year. But Ty Lue wasn't the head coach. But Chauncey Billups was the assistant this year, is what I'm saying. No, but I, I'm saying, well, yeah, I, I get what you're saying, yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm just making the point that, like, the Clippers playing a little bit smarter this playoff run, and going down for the third series in a row and finding a way to like improve on what they're struggling with. Yeah. I didn't see that with with Ty Lue part of the coaching staff. Oh, I got gotcha. you. With just him as on the staff, right. Right. But the but I'm just, I'm just saying last year Ty Lue didn't make the decisions. Not, I that's, know. That's all I mean. Even Doc even acknowledged that. Yeah. Ty was there, but it was still up to Doc. Right. What happened? But as mm-hmm. far as just, again, that's really the only positive I could think of for Chauncey. <laughs> I mean, it's, the coaching experience isn't there. I, I, the, what's, I don't even know the direction, honestly. I don't either. I think, you know, he's a good dude. He's one of, another one of those guys, super high basketball IQ, because let's be honest, Chauncey wasn't that good of a player. I mean, he was an all-star, but he wasn't, like, uh, a Hall of... He may be a Hall of Famer because of his accolades, but there's hundreds of, you know, 20 Hall of Fame point guards better than Chauncey. He's not anyone's top 25 point guards ever. That's all. I'm trying to compare... Because Chauncey is, like, a lost breed of guards, kind of. Super high IQ, like... His game got better the the bigger the game got. You know, he's that, a little bit like Lowry. 
Lowry's a, a good bit. example. I can see that. Um, but you're right. He wasn't as good as kind of the some people make him seem. <laughs> yeah, they it's make just... it seem like, oh, Chauncey's a, a legend. His career stats is 15 points a game, five assists. Yeah. So it's not like he, he didn't even average over five assists, dude. Like... He wasn't really like a point point guard. He just played it, right? He just so, he, he was a good shot like taker. Like he knew what kinds of shots he could get hot off of. Mm-hmm. He had a good feel for his own skill set, and and that made him look like a like he looked like a vet as soon as he got to Detroit. Yeah, he did. He did. And and some of that has to do with his career and struggling early on. Yeah, because he got traded. He sucked five times. For, yeah, he sucked Detroit. for a, a good amount. Nowadays, you'd, he'd be out of the league before he'd figure it out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Chauncey definitely would have been out of the league. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. No, but to focus on Portland. Yeah. The same problem I had with Jason Kidd is the same problem I have here to start with. I, this looks like a move to please your star player. Mm, okay. His first choice, and I suspect his first choice backed out because of the uncomfortable situation he kind of made. By, and that was Kid, right? Yeah. By by Damian Lillard coming out a week later talking about Kid's the guy. Uh, you put uh, pressure on the organization to make that happen. I don't think that's why Kid backed out though okay but that's fair I get why you say that yeah that's fair even if it's not that I'm you know that doesn't really change my point is yeah no you're right you're, you're making you hired like a, a a guard that the Damian Lillard will respect right I, I feel like you could have went a lot of ways to get more coaching experience on top of that right again I, I just Portland Portland is in such a spot where they 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 need a drastic change. Yeah. I just this isn't it. <laughs> I I don't see Billups making that. No. And the problem is because Portland you keep Portland exactly the way they are and they'll if they're healthy all year, they'll get you a fourth seed. Yeah. You, you don't have to do anything. Right. But the, the problems won't change. Right. I mean, Terry Stotts had him in the playoffs every single year. Every it's year. Like, and how like many people, good. how many people when Lillard had those, those like random two months where he looked like unstoppable, mm-hmm. how many people were sitting there like, man, Portland, Portland might challenge the Lakers. Yeah. Every, then- whoever is on top of the West, Portland is might get them. And then once Dame got exhausted, there he had no help anymore. By the time they got to the playoffs, all all year for what the third, fourth year in a row, I'm hearing how good Portland is. And then we get into the playoffs, and everybody's like pissed off that they're they look so awful. Yeah, because we've seen like it, it makes me even more upset because we've seen it already. Yeah, and the thing is, we noticed that. Damien is the only one who's like capable of elevating his game like on command. Yes. Like he everyone else like McCollum randomly will have 40 in a regular season game. 
Nurkic would randomly have like a near triple double, you know, 15, 18, and eight or something like yeah, that. Yeah, Mello will look vintage. Mello will randomly get 28 off the bench. And then when it comes to the playoffs, Dame is the only one out here getting 55, and no one else is involved. No one else is hitting shots. No one else has elevated their game on either end of the floor. And, and what bothers me more than anything is, like, I, I understand that with some of the, like, ball hog play style guys. Durant, I, I see it all the time. I get it. Yeah. Tatum, even, like, when Jimmy Butler is looking to score more, you see it in Miami. Yeah. Uh, Damian Lillard will be passing the ball to these guys. Yeah. Like, for, for minutes straight. And they're not in the game. He had 50... Didn't he have 55 and like 11 assists? 11 assists. And I didn't feel a soul. <laughs> I didn't feel a soul other than Damian Lillard on the court. Yeah. And, and I don't see that. And even with, again, with like Durant, you, you feel somebody else on the court with him. Yeah. And Durant is a black hole a lot of the time. Yeah. So, so Portland, clearly there's something more than, like, maybe Lillard isn't, you know, helping guys or, or playing through certain guys. No, that's not an excuse anymore. Yeah, the play style has been the problem. And I, I'm, I don't mind this team coming out and struggling next year if they're completely changing how they attack. Right. And, but that's what I don't know if Billups will be ready for that. Like, if they're losing... The first month of the season, kind of like Dallas was, for example, nobody people are gonna be like, "Yeah, this is a bad look." Yeah, I don't know if Billups is willing to take that heat, right? Especially when the the easier option is to just hell play through McCollum less. Now, this is the one that to me was like they interviewed Dan Tony twice, interviewed Becky Hammond twice, and interviewed. Chauncey twice and I, I just don't know how you come to the conclusion of Chauncey that's why I believe what you said that this has to be them trying to make uh, Damien happy if that's what Damien wanted but in my opinion Portland is in a complete win now situation yes they have to absolutely win. next two years if they don't win like this they wasted years they wasted so an all time great point guard yeah. And who yeah. stayed? Who stayed? Who gave it all to the franchise? And at any moment, if he said, hey, I'm demanding a trade, every single team in the league will be on the phone. Oh. Everyone. Everybody. Everybody. So I understand you're trying to keep him happy, but it has you have to get to the point where it's like, yo, I know you want to be happy, but look, we have to win right this second because I mean he's only getting older yes nobody's getting younger I, so I thought to me this team D'Antoni was like the obvious choice in my opinion for this team I, I, I agree with you about the Mavericks D'Antoni would have made the Mavericks perfect because you look at what he had in Houston with Harden it's the same thing You could, he's done it everywhere right he's done it every time everywhere he goes yeah you have Porzingis he can catch alley-oops. He can shoot threes. He's your Amari. He's your, you know, even better than Capella. Yes. But he's that. He's blocked shots. 
And you have your guard who can get triple doubles every yes. single night. You got your Nash, your Harden. He's right there. Yes. I understand that. But you have Portland. You have all these guys who can hit threes. You have a good passing big man. You have an all-time great point guard. And no, for some reason, the guys don't get good shots. They don't make shots. That's why I thought Dan Tony would come in this year and then boom like they have all the talent to hit the most threes in the league yeah. in the league you have Powell you have Covington you have Carmelo and Dame there's no reason they're not top three in threes yep. every year in the league and, and you know now that I'm thinking about it a, a good way to put it would be D'Antoni makes like the way that his teams play look like a play style mm-hmm in Portland, it's been a pickup game. Yeah, that to to change it from a pickup game to a like a strategic play style is very yeah. difficult. Right, it's very difficult. You you have to take the ball out of guys' hands who had the ball a lot. Right, that to me, like if you're keeping your good passing, good finishing, all these skills that he supposedly has, center. Mm-hmm. You got to take the ball out of his hands. Right. Because we, again, we've made our points clear about Nurkic. The decision-making is awful. 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 Shot selection, awful. Every every aspect of the game, he finds a way to fuck up. Yeah. Specifically in the playoffs. Yes. So I don't want to see him playing like a point center in the regular season anymore. Right. And and that's why, like you said, D'Antoni is such a perfect fit. I'd rather them lose... The way D'Antoni's teams play. Mm-hmm. Like, that's you trying your hardest and just not being as good as whoever you're playing. Right. But playing a fucking pickup game and the other team whose offense is not nowhere near as good as yours, but yet it's a 50-50 game. Right. Every time, and you're losing to Denver, who's not even second-best player isn't there. Right. I mean... I just I don't know if Chauncey can make the drastic changes. I don't even know if Chauncey will spot the drastic changes they need. Right. Because he'll be I'm, winning I'm games. With I'm with you. Yeah. And the other thing is now the other part of this could be is will they make drastic roster changes for Chauncey to start from like a scratch? Right? Like is he going to keep... If Chauncey comes in with this exact same starting lineup that Portland had, I don't know how he could possibly make any changes. So, do they, make, do they make big roster changes and say, look, you know, not to scare you or anything, yeah. but what they say, look, we have Beal now instead of McCollum. Look, we have... Uh, I don't We have Cousins and... Tristan Thompson instead of Nurkic. Look, we have uh, yeah, somebody random, Oladipo, instead of Covington. And now what? Do something with this. Now you have a brand new puzzle. We gave you a bunch of pieces. You have a brand new puzzle. You put it together, Chauncey, in, your, in how you want to do it. But uh, Honestly, but I, I would love that. And, and possible. I'm, I'm okay with... Like, I don't even want to speculate on what the roster changes will be. I don't mind a few bad ones, to be honest. 
Mm-hmm. I, I honestly, I think if they make those roster changes, like you said, to to give Chauncey like a fresh chance, yeah, that's them committing to Chauncey Billups, right? And if they, you know, like you said, they interviewed six, they had six interviews, they made a decision. If if that's it, I want you to go all in, right? I don't want you to just keep Dame happy and lose the same way next year, right? Because next year, nobody's going to talk about Chauncey. They're going to look at Siege, everybody on the roster. Right. And I just, it's all because you you made the offseason mistake that you are potentially making. Right. But I hope I'm wrong, man. This is one of those things where Chauncey could come in and, and make a couple of tweaks and, and make them go off. I hope that happens. Yeah. I just, I don't see them going off off of a couple of tweaks. Right. They need, like, full-blown surgery. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they do. They do. They definitely need an invasive procedure on this thing. And, again, like I said, if they make those big roster changes and they have Chauncey say, hey, you got Dame, and here's everything else, cool, let's let's do this, let's start start. over, let's do something with this team. But I, I don't think that at least not next season, that this team can possibly change with the exact same roster. There's no way. I hope, man, like, CJ gives them so many options of, like, roster changes that they could make. Yeah. I I just, hell, give Ben Simmons a shot. Yeah. And that's another situation. I'm skeptical of that, too, but... Again, I'd rather you try and fail a completely different way than the way you've been failing for the last three, four years. I've I've seen that trade proposed. The Ben Simmons proposal feed wow. on Twitter is crazy. Wow. I, I saw um, one where he goes to the Warriors and Oubre and Wiggins both go to Portland and Portland sends Nurkic and CJ to Philly. I mean, it... I thought that was kind of fire all around. But, uh, you know, I, the thing is, maybe Chauncey sees, a, like, a different way to build around Dame, and maybe they give him a little freedom in the front office to make some decisions or make some at least uh, requests. Say, hey, I, I want a more athletic big man, and they go look for that. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. At the end of the off season. We'll, you know, we obviously come back as we're previewing the teams, and we'll see what Portland looks like. Yep. But my my big thing before I could really have a better idea of Chauncey, uh, I got to see what the rest of the off season looks like. Yeah. Yeah. All right, let's get into both conference finals. Um, East or West. Let's go with West because you got to fill me in uh, on Game Three. This the Clippers getting back in the series. Did we talk about Game Two? Um, no, we not didn't. on air. No, we, we went right before Game Two, I believe. So Game Two was the clutch moment seen around the world. Paul George misses two free throws. Um, Aiton gets a amazing inbound alley oop. Um, and Clippers look like fools after at the end of that game. Ty, dude, Ty Lue 
after after our episode, he he like he outdumbed himself. Yeah. That game two was the one of the worst individual coaching performances I've ever seen. I completely agree. Because they had that game. And and just looking it. just looking at how they won game three, like it it's like they're being coached by two different people. It does seem like that, yeah. I don't know what what I can't even pinpoint this Tyloo magic. But mm-hmm. man, game two was was really hard to watch. It was. Yep. And I I mean, where do you want to start with that? Honestly. Uh, I'll start with the Suns having sixty points in the paint. Sixty out of their. 104 points in the paint. Then I'll start with them having 17 points off of the Clippers' turnovers. And the worst part is the Suns had more turnovers. You, you and, know what the problem is? Like, yeah. like Milwaukee gets a lot of points in the paint, and, and they lose sometimes regardless mm-hmm. of that. Mm-hmm. You can't. It's not even about like Aiton got layups. Okay, Aiton's a good center. You you know that'll happen. Yeah. Sarich was out there playing like Demarcus Cousins. On Demarcus Cousins. <laughs> so why why the hell am I watching forty eight minutes of basketball with Sarich as by far the toughest player on the court? Yeah, him and Cameron Payne. Like, what is that? that? Cameron Payne looks like Chauncey Phillips out there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, forget, like, Paul George doesn't know that Cameron Payne is left-handed. Mm-hmm. Multiple possessions in a row. 28 points worth of possessions! Yeah. I mean, it, like, oh my god. So many things frustrated me. You're like, you're going big... And like you said, sixty points in the paint. Yeah. How do you go big and are more like worse at rebounding? Yeah. Worse at defending the rim. Yeah, that was the only, the only reason the game stayed close is because Phoenix won hot from three. Yeah. Twenty three percent. That goes back to what I told you with the Utah series. It's like the Clippers live and die by the other team's shooting. Right. And it's, I've never seen such a, like, yo, go ahead and beat us with these wide-open shots or don't. It's up to you. Mm-hmm. And, and somehow, teams continue to fall into the trap. Yeah. It, and this game, uh, game two, Phoenix didn't even have to. Right. They, they shot eight less threes and just went right to the rack every time. Right to the rack. I mean, campaign... Layups. You, you can't let these wings who aren't even that tough get layups and, and slashes. Yep. You can't let guys drive and just like make the most basic dump down pass to Aiton for the easy, like a warm up basket. Yep. I mean, Aiton, Aiton has spent the first two games getting warm up baskets. Yeah. And then, and then they're shocked when he makes a late game hook. You know, that was really clutch, by the way. But, like, they're shocked as if, like, a damn it. Dude, you let him get layups all night. What did you expect? Right. And normally, this is how you know I had a problem with Ty Lue, is Paul George was 
uh, like awful. Yeah. Absolute like one of the worst games I've ever seen from him. Yep. And I'm not even mad at him. Yeah. I've never like I get I didn't know Tyloo thought of him as LeBron because I never did. Mm-hmm. You never did. Right. And that nobody I know has thought of Paul George as LeBron, but Tyloo said, PG, you gotta take us home like LeBron does. Control everything, ISO on whoever, volume shooter tonight. We're not gonna get you a good shot. I just need you to go get him. Right. I mean, we've watched Paul George for 10, 12 years now. Yeah. He's a rhythm player. Right. He's a rhythm scorer. He's not a rhythm player because he's such so elite at so many things. Yeah. But he's a rhythm. He's always scored like a Hall of Famer when in rhythm. Right. You don't even make an effort to get him in rhythm? Nope. I mean, game two, like, at no point since Kawhi got hurt did I really feel his absence until Ty Lu decided to game plan for game two the way he did. Right. Like He didn't even give him a regular pick and roll. Nah. Nothing. Everybody else, Durant, uh, Tatum, Jimmy Butler, every star, Devin Booker, the the ball movement stops. Where where do we go? High pick and roll. Booker usually gets two or three pick pick and rolls per possession. Booker gets screens to get open and then screens with the ball to get opportunities yeah but PG has to create for himself all night they just stand there and watch all night and he's playing like trash and it's it, like I see the game almost like the Clippers pushing all the mistakes to Paul George yeah like where LeBron it, LeBron does that bullshit of like I'm gonna pass it late in the shot clock so I don't get the turnover right it was like the opposite every time the, the possession was trash PG, go take a shot. Right. And then everyone would, like, just run away from the ball. Yeah, it was was awful. Sometimes sometimes PG made a move, and maybe he lost the ball a little bit and pump fake. They didn't go for it. And it took, like, six seconds for anyone to even come get the ball from him. Or he had to jack, like, take a crazy shot while he was being guarded. Yes. I just, I hate that they put him in that KD... LeBron position yeah. but at least the Nets like you commit to it you play him through the mid range you know you 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 get him high pick and rolls mm-hmm. Paul George got none of that and even LeBron gets like they make sure he gets the switch yes like, they don't they don't make LeBron take Crowder one on one from the three point yeah line. Harden used D'Antoni was a master at that yeah Yep. It's so basic. It's so basic. And Ty Lue... Ty Lue would rather post up Paul George. Which was bizarre I mean, in itself. Again, another... I've watched Paul George for 10 years. I've never, never wanted him in the post. Never known him to be a post-up guy <laughs> at all. Nope. But in Ty Lue's mind, he's 6'8 or 9. Oh, we got to get him on the block. And not even on switches. We just got to get him on the block. Again, that, that's the part that always blew my mind. He had Bridges or Crowder on him, and we have him in the post. Why? Why? Yeah. It's just such such strange decisions. In, in, I mean, that last play, 
I, I mean, just just looking at it from a basketball perspective, when there's you never le- let anyone get to the basket on the inbounds. When there's That's the only rule. When there's less than a second left, what are they looking for? The fucking lob. Yeah. You learned that in middle school. Dude, you learned that playing 2K. This, <laughs> 2K. There's nothing... There's, there, and you, you coach... I mean, you know this. Yes. When someone takes the ball under the basket... Do not let anyone catch it in the paint. That's the number one rule. No matter what the time is on the clock. If it was five minutes left on the clock, you shouldn't let anyone catch it in the paint. And I, I was shocked. And, and you saw the clip with Stephen A. and Mike Wilbon, like, just speechless. That's how I was. I'm, I'm sitting there like, are you serious? He did like one little juke move on Zubac, and he was wide open under the basket. You know, Devin Booker set a great screen, which he's trying to win a game. Who wouldn't? Right. So Devin Booker sets a great screen, but Tuma and Zubac are like lost in the paint. And they're both like five inches taller than Booker. Like to see that coming. Like, come on. Just stay with the man, the big man. Stay with who it would go to the paint. I'd rather Brooker take a shot over me in the paint than, I mean, obviously, than Aiden. Anything. Again, if you, like, I, the, the paint thing, you're right, but that's, like, a bigger point. Like, obviously, they shouldn't have let it get in the paint, but a lot of teams slip up and, and something happens to get it in the paint. But, but, but there's uh, no time. So they literally, right. the only thing that's, like, a, a detriment to you is a lob. Exactly. Anything else, and you lost off some fluke shit if they somehow get it off quick enough and make it. Right. But you Any... gave up the one thing that was like a, a basketball strategic way to win. Yeah. <laughs> one op- yeah. You left Monty Williams one option and then forgot that that option was available. Yep. And the, the, the other crazy thing is Zubac's attempt to like, get it, he, he didn't even get like over the rim to... To block it, dude. The thing is, just the rule. Just like Aiden can oh get it like right out the basket, Zubach can go like hang on the rim and slap it out the air yeah. if it's coming from the inbounds. There's no rules. Yep. There's no goaltend. Yep. I mean, he could have reached through the basket and got it. <laughs> it's not a shot. It's again, I like. It's just it blows my mind that you let it happen so like just simply. If if Booker if uh, Aiton gets tackled and he by some miracle taps it in or still dunks it, okay, yeah. you fucked up. Right. But you didn't you just didn't let no body contact or anything. You just let Phoenix take the game. Yep. It's shocking that they've responded to playoff failures like that. It really is because that makes Game Three that much more impressive. And these. These dumb reviews that they kept asking for. Like, bro, Beverly, it's obvious that... I mean, it was man. Man, it was obvious that you touched it last. And you still want that reviewed? Like, I, I get, like, the strategy of it being a timeout, but what do you... <laughs> I don't know. It was It was the other team's ball. 
I don't know. They really be pressing for the extra timeouts. I don't know why. Like Beverly got lucky with his, but if if you know it's the other team's ball, why are you giving them a timeout? I don't know. Like, why are you reviewing? You go to the review, like, yeah, review so Phoenix can get more time on their own inbounds. If they don't get that timeout, they don't get that playoff. Exactly. No way. Exactly. Monty, like, the, the I understand giving Phoenix credit, but again, the Clippers put them in one position and then just backed off and said, like, I don't know how y'all are going to win this game. Like, you, you gave us the opportunity. Right. It's so bizarre. It really is. Yeah. Yep. All right. Well, that was game two. Now, game three, I want to give... I'm going to give credit to two players. Number one, Patrick Beverly. This is the best game I've ever seen Patrick Beverly play. I've seen Patrick Beverly play defense on a lot of people. And I don't think he's that great of a defender. I think he's just really annoying. And usually, you know, sometimes it gets in guys' heads. And he has a good nose for the ball. He gets his hands on a lot of balls. He's good at that, right? This is probably... I mean, like, this is the first game I ever saw Patrick Beverly like, wow, he might actually be locked down. Because he was locking Booker up the whole game. And they were taking turns strapping Booker, actually. But him and Terrence Mann on Booker throughout the game, it was just, it was masterful defense. They looked great. Um, And they just kind of got lucky with Chris Paul because they weren't even really guarding Chris Paul. And he just shot horribly. What was he? Five for 19, I think. Something like that. Yeah, five for 19, 26%. Booker was five for 21, 23%. Um, and then my second congratulations, uh, well, credit is um, Zubach. This is the best game I've ever seen Zubach play. 15 and 16. This is the first time I've ever, like, noticed him not let, like, people push him around like it, you know a lot of times Zubac would like play D for a little bit once his guy passed the ball they could just like elbow Zubac just a tiny bit and yeah. he's like completely out of the play yep he wasn't letting that happen this game at all he was up on screens he was hedging nicely he was going for every block he was going like hard to the basket every time he caught the ball in the paint I think most of his points yeah, he most of his points were from the line. He went to the line five times. You know, he was only three for eight, but he just played really strong today. I mean, that game, in, in my opinion. I think he did. It was yeah. really good. Uh, Reggie Jackson still MVP for the Clippers. Uh, and Paul George looked... Paul George looked a lot more in control in this game. Um... And they actually did set a lot of screens for him this game. He was attacking mismatches every time. Wow. And if he got doubled, he kicked it out, and they made plays. Um, It's like Ty Lue sucks on purpose to make himself look smarter when he finally does the simple thing that he was supposed to. I agree. I I honestly agree with that. I I think that's very possible. It's like they're dragging series out to make sure Kawhi gets back. Possibly, yeah. 
Uh, Sarge, again, was rebounding great. But um, if I'm going to be frank, Clippers won this because CP and Booker shot like garbage. And Booker got a few open shots and just missed them. But um, I think Terrence Mann and uh, and Beverly played just really, really good defense. Uh, like, I think, I don't know if there's a highlight of just them playing defense, but I wouldn't be surprised if that yeah. was, like, the focus for uh, Phoenix going in next time. Like, yo, we, we can't let Beverly and Mann yeah. be on Booker anymore. Uh, again, Beverly, you know, I've also kind of lost respect respect for him over the course of the last two years. Yeah. But the biggest thing by far has been the foul trouble. Right. Like a lot of times he screws himself over because he, he'll fa- he'll hack and get in foul trouble, and he has to come out before I can even notice how he's getting stops. Right. But you know, I I knew that he could get stops. I've seen him contain guys for for games during the regular season. Yeah. So, and Zubac, with Zubac, it's, I'm just happy they're making Aiton work a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, If he could continue to just, again, I don't need 15 and 16 every time, but I would like 8 to 10 rebounds. Right. Regardless, you know, I can live with you missing layups if you're active on the glass. Yep. Which, you know, it will miss layups. I'm sure he missed the number even that game. Oh, for sure. For sure. But, again, you make an eight and work, the the trend is in the right direction. Exactly. Yep. Now, yep. where series in the past, game four has been the, like, the, the key turnaround as far as did the Clippers just kind of get a must win or are they really turning the series around? Right. I don't. Yep. I don't want to take away credit, but Devin Booker's coming off the nose that was ballooned. Mm-hmm. Might have something to do with his poor shooting, right? And, and he was due for one. He, he a bad shooting night because he was lights out for the like the last round and a half. Yeah. Yep. CP's coming off of COVID, so yep. I'm not surprised that he played like trash. He played like trash most of the Lakers series. Yep. Coming off the shoulder, but game yeah. four now is going to be key. This is for sure. It's going to be key because yep. now Phoenix is going to adjust to some of the struggles they had. Mm-hmm. They're probably going to play through Crowder and Bridges and Aiton, especially early on. Mm-hmm. You you got to be able to take away either Booker or CP in game four. Yeah, not surprised if one of them gets off, but you can't let both eat. Right. And, again, the last two rounds, they've done the job. They've contained the things they've needed to contain. But Phoenix is a little bit more disciplined than the other teams. Right. So, game four is going to be huge. Uh, Another thing that was um, really big was Cameron Payne got hurt. So, that really ruins Mm. the Phoenix's depth. And that's one thing I noticed big about the last two games, if you eliminate Phoenix's depth, they have they struggle big time because they got Crowder in really bad foul trouble in game three, and then um, campaign got hurt, and then uh, Phoenix was left to have Sarge and Tory Craig out there for like extended amount of time, and you know Tory Craig isn't garbage, 
But it, it just... You don't want them out there for an extended amount of time. Right, and it changed how they, like, use their roles, right? Because now they had... At one point, they had, like, Bridges, Cam Johnson, and Torrey Craig out there all at the same time. And they all kind of do the same thing to an extent, you know? Yeah. So, um, that's one thing that Phoenix will probably have to adjust to or be ready for, that if they attack a Crowder or a Bridges or Booker early and get them in foul trouble, they have to be ready to adapt to that and bounce back because they did a really poor job of that this last game. Yeah, I'm not sure if Payne is coming back. His ankle looked really bad. That was kind of a big problem for Phoenix during the year is when they had to get deep into the roster, they looked stale. Mm-hmm. Like the offense, just the, the rhythm they play with just kind of abruptly came to a halt. Uh, and if Payne is gone, man, I, I do think it, it gives the Clippers a great chance to take control. Yeah. Uh, even with CP there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if if campaign was the and you know the make it or break it guy for Phoenix, then they weren't as good as we thought. So I agree. So we'll we'll really get a chance to see how they. This would be the first. I mean, if they faced adversity in the first round, but the Lakers are falling apart while they were facing that adversity. Right. Clippers Clippers are getting more and more comfortable. Yep. So it's it's going to be a huge game for man. Yep, it is. It is. All right, Atlanta Milwaukee. Atlanta takes game 1. Uh nicely, uh close game. Um Milwaukee has a hard time in close games. You know why? We don't they need don't to talk about throws. game 2 cuz it was quick. Right. It was a big time game by Milwaukee. We saw it against Miami. When they shoot lights out, they're almost unbeatable. Yeah. But you could say that for everybody, so it doesn't really mm-hmm. impress me. But good win, nonetheless. Yep. Um Trey, forty eight, seven and eleven, first game. That's Hall of Fame numbers. They couldn't stop John Collins at all in the first game. Couldn't stop they- Capella. Couldn't get Capella off the glass at all. Brooke Lopez having two rebounds is just not going to work in in this series. Like, like you said, unless they're shooting like lights out, Brooke Lopez two rebounds, one rebound. That that sucks. Frankly, that's why Capella can get twenty rebounds. This is another situation where I. Like, similar to, I didn't have any, uh, my problem was with Ty Lue, not Paul George. Maybe the free throws, I should have had more of an issue with Paul George. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's, you're not putting him in an advantageous position, and then, like, it's his fault that he's sucking. Right. Like, no, most bigs, you know me, I'm like, yo, you can't get a fucking rebound, what's wrong with you? Right. First, how can Brook Lopez get an offensive rebound the way he plays for this team? Can't. He's he's camping out on the three point line. He's he's often several steps behind the line. Right. How can he and get an good. offensive rebound? I I don't even know. And the thing is, as a coach, you should say, "Hey, 
you know, you guys need to be aware of who's about to take a shot because if Greek Freak is taking a three, Brooke Lopez should not be outside of the three-point line. Yes. Brooke Lopez should be in the paint every time Giannis shoots a three. Every time. Because, you know, chances he's going to miss the three. So we have to have someone prepared to get to the ball. I just... Again, I don't understand. They use Brooke Lopez as a three-point specialist in nothing else. Yeah. And then, again, like, I can't even be mad at him for not rebounding because he's just on the three-point line all night. Right. And he can't get that many rebounds on the other end because he's getting put in the pick-and-rolls relentlessly. Yep. So he's busting his ass to get cooked all night. And you don't even have the decency to take him out when he doesn't fit on the court? Right. I just... Budenholzer's, like... Budenholzer's reluctance to, like, flex the roster... Yeah. I mean, Vogel did it every round last year. Yeah, he did. And they were dominating. Yep. Like, I don't understand why Budenholzer thinks... Like specifically, they the way they play is good enough. Yeah, I agree. Again, the same team who scored seventy paint points and lost not that long ago. Yeah, I, I can't even remember which round that. Uh, it had to be Brooklyn, but I don't remember which game it was. I think it was game one. Right. I think it was. Yeah, but it, like they just they play a certain way, and. I just don't understand why they don't adapt. Yep. That's my biggest problem because they've shown that they're good enough to beat anybody. He acts like it's just, oh, this was the other team's night tonight. Like, you know, no big deal. They just shot really well and we didn't. I mean, dude, Jeff uh, Jeff T comes in the game and he goes Mm -hmm. under on Trey Young pick and rolls. And you let him do that in repeat, like, back-to-back? Yeah. Are you even coaching? Like, what what are we doing? Bobby Portis coming in eating, and it's like a, whoa, great adjustment. He should have been in the games. He should have, the Brooklyn series might have ended earlier if he was in the game. Bobby Portis comes in, and he's immediately getting putbacks, is immediately getting layups, is immediately getting rebounds. And getting open jumpers and knocking a couple of them down. But, Brooke Lopez, we need you because you could jack them from further out the three-point line. And do nothing else on the court. <laughs> do us. nothing and get cooked on the other end. Right. I mean, I, I don't Bobby get Porter Milwaukee, said more man. rebounds in half the time. Like, Milwaukee came into this series like they're way fucking better. Yeah, they did. And that's not the like. That's why I was so confident in Atlanta. Their offense is like top tier, mm-hmm. top tier, and you don't look prepared at all. And their offense just got better because you know Reddish is back healthy, right? And he was getting buckets in the fourth quarter. I mean, at garbage time, but still. Yeah, and he'll get a chance to contribute. Yeah, I mean, again, late in the game. Late in the game, the Pat Connaughton is the guy you want shooting. Yeah. 
do I need to list the roster? I mean, I'd rather have P.J. Tucker taking that shot. Right. And for some reason, they cannot figure out how to get him to hit that corner three no, in can't. Milwaukee at all. They can't. But I just... But yeah. Again, it's it's a lot of it is on Budenholzer. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like, I can't figure out Chris Middleton. Like, yeah. dude, are you nice? Or are you just like, when they don't guard you right, you could, you could go off? Because mm-hmm. every time you defended, like, even remotely well, you look bad. Yep. So, Milwaukee is very similar to the Clippers, where they have figured out a lot of their problems along the way. Mm-hmm. And they, like, game two is a perfect example. You come out, you're on, like, you're, you're on fire to start with. Yep, and Atlanta is way off. Right. And you capitalized and like just like storm. you did. You took Miami's soul doing that. Yep. So, again, I like that. I like that you come out in game two with a sense of urgency, not like the Clippers. They go down two games instead of one mm-hmm. to have urgency. But you're not you're not working. You're not fixing the, any of the real flaws, any of the play right. style flaws. The, the shot selection is still awful. We still don't know who you're playing through. It's like every time anything goes wrong, like the the rest of the team isn't prepared for anything. Yep. So I just I I don't know, man. I I kind of want them. I don't really want them to beat Atlanta mm-hmm. because like it'll be considered a success for them to make yeah. the finals. Yeah. And and I want this team to have like that Portland level of realization that like drastic things need to happen for the changes that need to be made. Mm-hmm. It's but tough, the man. fact that they can win without playing perfect is just that's their thing. I don't know, man. I'm just yeah. I don't like the way they defended Trey Young at all. Mm-hmm. I don't like how they don't respect the some of the Atlanta players. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just like Gallinari. You you're not you're surprised that he could get buckets. He sh- he wouldn't be in the league if he couldn't do that. Right. He's not Especially in the league. This long. He's not in the league to rebound. I can tell you that. Right or play D. <laughs> right. I mean, I don't know, man. This is a fun series. I'm excited to see where it goes. Mm-hmm. But Milwaukee has not. They haven't shown me any growth off that Brooklyn series, unfortunately. Right. They hit a perfect storm last night. You know, biggest lead was 41. They still had 15 turnovers to Atlanta's 19. It's not like they, you know, overall played that much better. Atlanta just shot horribly. 25% from three. I mean, that's that's just not who Atlanta is. Um... You know, again, points in the paint, sixty-two to thirty. Obviously, the score was disgusting. So that's that. But it's not like it's not like Atlanta was like uh, outmatched. They just played bad. You know. Yeah. It's not like Milwaukee came out there and looked like the more dominant team. Like they're just the overall better team because we saw the last game. They're not. So. I wouldn't be surprised if Atlanta came back and blew them out. 
Like it's just it seems like especially, just one of those kind of series. Especially that the series shifts. Yeah. Because Middleton has been mostly bad on the road everywhere. Mm. Yep. Uh, that was that game one was surprising because he's been good in Milwaukee. Yeah. Uh, so I don't I, I just don't know where it goes to be honest. Middleton right. is the main guy I'm looking at as far as like if Milwaukee's gonna pull this series out. Yeah, because Greek Freak cannot be who he is without Middleton. Like he Greek Freak can't succeed in the way that he does yeah. in that style without Middleton. Yeah. Spreading the floor, hitting jumpers, being versatile, being long, you know, and being able to play defense on guys that Greek Freak is not quite agile enough to play. You know. Yeah, and and when Middleton's bad, like, just Giannis's overall impact is so much less. Yeah. Even because you see some of the the stats in Game One, I'm pretty sure we're good. Yeah. But like, yeah. I felt John Collins' 23 and 15, or whatever it was, more than Giannis's like 30. Right. So, we'll see. Yep. Yep. Uh, I don't have anything else to add. I will be, you know, staying updated on the Ben Simmons dilemma, on coaching hires. Real quick, I hope Becky Hammond doesn't get the magic job because I don't want her, like, I don't want her to start her career off like like that, like magic, you know? I, I don't want anybody to get the ma- magic coaching job. Oh, the Wizards haven't hired anyone yet, no, right? No, they haven't. Scott Brooks. Not... Scott Brooks could go to Orlando. Yeah, he could. Go ahead. Turn turn him up, Scotty. <laughs> <laughs> unleash <laughs> unleash Mar- Markel Fultz. Bro, we have to talk about him. His bench guards glowing oh up God. after they leave him. <laughs> That's his story for another day. <laughs> I don't want to get it. Campaign, James Harden, Reggie, Reggie Jackson. Jackson. Oh my god! Greatness. As soon as they leave his, if his Ish, I mean, Ish Smith was great with him, but if he's even better without him, oh my god! Yeah, I could see it too. Watch Daniel Gafford be like an all star. Ah <laughs> <laughs> uh, man, <laughs> I, I'm I'm happy the Wizards are taking you know a lot of time. I hope Becky gets that one. I would like that. Yeah. I like someone fresh for Westbrook. Um, I just, uh, yeah. I'm, I'm not even going to ask for a lot. I just, I hope whoever comes in can encourage this team to play some fucking defense. Yeah. If they really want to win, if they got guys on the roster who claim they like, they want to win above every, mm-hmm. anything else, mm-hmm. you got to defend. Yep. Yep. Oh, real quick, the Olympic roster. That's Let's right. just run through that real quick. So we got Damian Lillard, Bradley Beal, Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, Bam Adebayo, Jeremy Grant, Draymond Green, Drew Holiday, Zach Levine, Kevin Love, Chris Middleton, and Jason Tatum. It, You know, on, on first glance, it's hard to have a problem with this list. Yeah, I have no problem with it. I like the, the balance of, like, stars and and guys who are up and coming yep. and you throw in like a Drew Holiday who you know is going to fit because he's he's just going to be a, one of the few role players 
Mm-hmm. Like, I, I mean, honestly, this this roster, everything about it is, like, built for a good team. Yeah. Kevin Love, yeah. You, you got, like, the veteran leadership who probably won't touch the court, but he'll give you some <laughs> spot-up shooting. <laughs> he'll give you spot-up shooting. He'll give you rebounding. Just like he did last time. He He's went. an IQ guy. Yeah. He's an IQ guy, and you know every USA team is there's going to be a point when they try to dominate with athleticism. You think Drew Holiday is going to touch the court? Yes, I do. <laughs> yes, I do. Okay. Unless Damian Lillard is like comes in, you know, on Mamba mentality shit, where he's just not missing and going crazy. Yeah. Then I think they're going to need Holiday. I th- I think um, I think the fact that they have so many guards, I think they're just using someone else, like use Beal or Booker or Levine at the point, which I I don't like, but I wouldn't be surprised. They've done it before in the, you know, I've seen D Wade run point in the Olympics. Yeah, you know, something like that. Mid- Middleton isn't going to touch the floor much. <laughs> At least Middleton and Durant on the court. At, at the least, same time if I'm head. coaching Mill of, of these guys, Middleton's my last go-to guy. That's fair. That's I'm fair. putting Grant and Levine in there before I'm putting Middleton in there. I mean, the athleticism oh, yeah. with that duo, Jesus. Who's the starters? Dame, KD. I'm going Dame, Devin Booker, Bradley Beal, KD, and Bam. No. Bam's not starting over Draymond. No way. Okay, that's fine. Draymond but, instead of Bam, I'm not mad at. You, you said Dame, Booker, KD. Who was Be- it? Beal. Okay, all right. A lot of scoring. Okay. Okay. I think uh, Tatum... I think Tatum may start over Booker. I want to see... I'm happy to see these guys, man, because a lot of these guys have been slipping defensively. And I'm... There's not going to be any defense on this team in the... uh, And they're going to catch a fucking L. Watch. Durant will find a way. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. Draymond will find a way to do something crazy. Some crazy... Oh, my God. I'm I'm thinking back to that play game where he's just turning it over and they're just so bad. Draymond's gonna uh, throw to Rudy Fernandez. Oh, He's gonna get a breakaway reverse. Uh, <laughs> I hope Rudy plays. By the way, good good team. We got a good squad. I'm confident in that team. Confident in it. Uh, let's see what else do we have. We said we we're gonna talk about something else in the league. We can save it. Whatever it is, we can save it. Uh, we'll probably have to do music like separately eventually because new music keeps coming out man that's true this weekend is huge yeah yeah uh, but a- anyway uh, what time is the game today? Uh, 9 o'clock 9 o'clock okay yeah I can't wait for this one yeah me too it's gonna be a good one this is I mean Clippers obviously we talked about it it's big for the Clippers do you think at this point? Do you think the Clippers blow it up if they lose? When I say blow it up, I mean separate Paul George and Kawhi. Or do you think it's pretty much locked that they're staying together now? 
I think it is locked. Mm-hmm. But looking at moving on from Kawhi, I hope this team keeps going just so that is more of a prominent idea. Mm-hmm. Cause the so more... people see what's going on right yes. now compared to when Kawhi gets yes. back. Yes. Yeah, and and the, the more I watch him, even like the game two and, and the game one, they looked really bad, letting Booker do whatever he wanted. But mm-hmm. I think with like slight roster upgrades, yeah. which they should, if they get rid of Kawhi, they should be in position to make easy ones. Yeah. And like so many options could fit this team. So many players, so many guys could come in and just like elevate their play style like Lowry would be flawless here if if PG had like one other solid like elite scorer with him yes I, this team would be really tough God, like, anybody man any of the guys that'll be available yeah if they had a Beal or a CJ for Kawhi they'd be yeah they'd be good it's actually one of the few teams I don't I wouldn't want Simmons on though Oh yeah, me too. I don't want Ben there. No. That's. But other than that, other than that, I mean, CJ McCollum, yes please. Uh, Fire anybody. Guys, I have problems with Middleton. Uh, yeah, obviously Middleton isn't available, but Middleton would be great. Mm-hmm. Honestly, I don't even know how they downgrade. And that's one of the beauties about. That's one of the beauties about Paul George in the first place. I think we've said it on here multiple times. He's one of those guys that. You look at him, I don't know what team you can't insert Paul George and immediately say, look, we got a better team than last year. Yeah. Like, I, I don't know about switching him for somebody, but any team presently constructed, you throw Paul George on there, he can fit in some way because he does so much for the team. It, but, you know, Clippers are asking him to do a lot more than they ever have. So it... You know, it's different. Yeah, you know? I'm scared that the more they win, like if they go to the finals, they're they're just gonna run it back. And I, yeah. I like Kemba. Kemba is a premier option available. Oh yeah, he would be perfect. He would be. So I, I just hope they're active, regardless of how the rest of their season plays out. I want them to try to improve. Yeah. Yeah. All right, man. Let's get out of here. Uh, and, you know, we'll be back, hopefully, to get to music sometime this week. But um, keep watching these games, man. These are great, great, great games. Top tier playoffs this year. It is. I mean, is. to come back. Last year was kind of, you know, random and inconsistent. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, prior years, Golden State was kind of dominating the league. Yep. Uh Man, I I love seeing anybody you know anybody having a chance at it. Do you think that the East has caught up to the West at this yes. point? Yes. Okay. More so, so more too. so about how the West slipped up a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like the yeah. the Western middle of the like the the middle playoff teams, they're not as dominant in the regular season as they used to be. Right. That's what made to me. That's what made the West look so much better. It's just more collective wins. Yeah. And since the East evened it out, the records are more even. The seedings are a lot tougher now to fight for. Yeah. Uh, so I, I love it. Yep. Yep. 
Uh, I think um, I think losing Harden out of the West, Harden and Westbrook out of the West, made a huge impact to the East. You know, because now you, you have two teams that mean absolutely nothing in the West anymore. That's the Thunder and the Rockets. I know Westbrook was on the Rockets, but you know he left the Thunder first, and you know those two teams went from being top five seeds to nothing. You know. Yeah, I wonder which one of them will uh, make the playoffs first. Mm. Yeah, it's tough. It's, it's mm. interesting. I don't really want to debate it because it's hard. not much to get excited for either team. But and it's tough because we know they're making change. We know Kimba's getting traded. We know John Wall is getting traded. So. We don't really know what some of the building blocks have. are already there, so yeah, just work yeah. with that and we'll keep going. Right, yeah. Um, John Wall is another good point guard, by the way. Boston Clippers, um, yeah, Boston the Clippers. Yeah, and I want to see him go somewhere where, like, we could really manage his minutes because mm-hmm. clearly thirty-five minutes is not in his knees or in his legs anymore. Right, at least, at least, you know, off that first comeback. Right. Maybe now he had almost half the year where they were kind of benching him, and he has this whole summer. Maybe he does come back with something else, you know, next year. Maybe he loses a few more pounds. He looked. I mean, he still looked kind of stocky when he came back this year. A little, so. little bit. He was moving great. Uh, mm-hmm. to his credit. But my big thing for guys is just to get healthy in general. I mean, yeah. Next year, next year, I just so many teams will kind of get back into the rhythm of things that they've been missing. Yep. Like Miami, LA are getting a lot, nice off season. Yep. So it's Boston. it's gonna be a crazy year next year too. Yeah. Yeah. I I actually really like the idea of Wall on Boston, but I'm not gonna get into it right now. But um, they got a lot of options. That's all. All right. Uh, as always, thank you for listening. Uh, subscribe. Follow us on Instagram. Uh, subscribe on YouTube. For those who have been listening to us on Spotify and Apple all this time, yes, we do have YouTube. We have video. This is on video. Uh, a lot of my friends been hitting me up, be like, "Yo, man, you have video?" I'm like, "Yeah, we." Yeah, we're a little late to the game, but yeah, we got yeah. there. Yep. Um, and yeah thanks for listening tune in next time make sure you put notifications on so you know when we drop because we're not being consistent because of the playoffs because the playoffs aren't consistent so yeah and uh, we'll see you guys next time